0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Uh, Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor uh, uh, of Publishers Weekly. I am the editor of P.W. Comics World, and I'm the editor of the Fanatic P.W.'s twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. You can check them out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, but this uh week... Uh, uh, fans of More to Come. We got a chance to talk with Joe Illich. We've talked with him in the past. Uh, it's great to have you back. Uh, thanks again for being
1: on More to Come, Joe. Uh, no, thanks again for having me. Great to be back and always good when I get the fanatic in my inbox.
0: There you go. I love, we love to hear that. Uh, just, yep. the, just this, you know, a, a quick introduction to Joe. Uh, where do I start? A former DC editor, uh, a former Batman editor. Uh, he's uh, one of his early jobs, of course, was working at Milestone Media, the groundbreaking black owned um, uh, superhero universe that is actually been relaunched this past year. Uh, he is the editor of the Access Guide to the Black Comic Book Community, a great resource guy. I think the second uh, version of it came out just this year. Uh, he's, uh, the, he's a former editor at Lineforge. The guy has launched whole superhero universes. Uh, makes him kind of superhero like himself. Uh, he is an author. Uh, MPLS Sound, uh, which kind of looks at the, at Prince and the Minneapolis Sound and a band trying to get it, uh, make it, uh, at a grassroots level and I'm gonna, we're gonna get to talking to him. This is, the list goes on, but he is also a recent, um re- recently been named a member of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund Board. Uh, obviously an organization that's gonna having, has its work cut out for it now in this new climate of, uh, book censorship and book banning. Anyway, thanks again, Joe, uh, for being on the show. Uh, really what we want to talk about, at least to kick this all off now, is you have a variety of things going on, but most impressively it was announced, uh, you're in a project with uh, Curtis Jackson, 50 Cent, uh, to all of his fans out there. Uh, this is gonna bring, uh, a, a, a comic book series originally written by Christopher Priest, the, you know, the great writer associated with Black Panther bring it to film. What can you tell us about that? And uh, we've got lots of
1: questions. (laughs) All right. Long intro. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. (laughs) I have a lot to live up to with that. So, you know, the Zero deal. So Zero is a comic book um, ran for 12 issues from 1997 to 1998, published by DC Comics, created by Christopher Priest. Uh, Zero centers around a black man named Coltrane Walker, who is the power forward for a St. Louis basketball team called the Vipers. Mm. But who he really is, is an assassin named Zero who works for a United States intelligence organization that basically hands out Um, missions to close people, to basically eliminate them, knock them off the board, enemies of the state, and they are answerable to the Department of Justice and a federal judge. So zero, and that's X-E-R and an O with a slash, Mm -hmm. he is the top closer in this organization. And what makes him particularly unique is that due to state-of-the-art prosthetics, he disguises himself as a Caucasian blonde male with blue eyes so that he can operate in any place in the world because, as we know, there are places throughout global society where black men would not be welcome, but where a white man could get to. So, as Zero he wraps himself in this invisibility of another cultural identity. And so what really kicks the story off is that part of what makes Zero the best closer, the best assassin, Mm -hmm. is that he's basically heartless, he's very stoic, and he's emotionless. And to become a closer, he basically had his identity... Mm -hmm as a man and as a black man beaten, he had it programmed out of him mm. so that he could become someone that above and beyond the prosthetics could infiltrate any location, any, any group of individuals. And something happens in the first issue of Zero that is basically what creates a crack mm. in his steel facade. And he begins to have a moral awakening and he starts to ask the question, why? And in having the moral awakening, he starts to have a cultural awakening. And basically his awakening is the beginning of his demise as zero, as a closer. And so this story is about the kind of duality that James Baldwin spoke of. That W.E.B. Du Bois spoke of that kind of duality coming into the present and a crashing of two worlds in a very dramatic fashion. And so this comic book was ahead of its time when it came out in Mm. 1997. And I've really been an admirer of it ever since. I have all the original issues that was at a time in my career in between Milestone and DC Comics. And so Zero was really a perfect kind of project for my company. My company is called Illuminous. And what Illuminous is about is it's about the expansion of my personal and career mission, which is basically instilled in me from the Milestone founders, which is – providing opportunities for everyone to get to tell stories in this fantastic landscape of entertainment. People from different cultural backgrounds, sexual orientations, and just making a contribution towards making a more equal landscape for everybody. And now the world has basically caught up to that mission, right? And so... The idea of the story of Zero finding a home on a larger landscape past the four-color comic book pages was really appealing, and so let, let me let me just jump in for a second, Joe, because sure. this is great.
0: Sure. You, you've outlined a lot of interesting story paths. I'm sure this is going to be um, uh, uh, because of the the, uh, the way you've described the character. It seems like a lot. There's a lot of different ways uh, he can uh, re. Reimagine himself as this crackle form, so I can imagine the kind of stories that you're going to be able to tell, particularly under this, the uh, umbrella of the um, the double consciousness. I mean, this is a very classic term in uh, black scholarly looking at at black the black and and at black culture. So, I am curious about the uh, the creative team uh, and how this thing came together. As this, which is going to be a live action. How, is this going to be streaming? Is it going to be uh, a feature film? How how is it going to play out in in uh, uh, in a new media form?
1: So zero will be a live action film franchise. That is the way that um, Fifty Cent it really envisioned it mm-hmm. when we made him aware of zero, and really this journey started uh, a few years ago. In the early inception of what would become Illuminous and a friend of mine, Erica Alexander, writer, actress, producer, El- Erica you know, Alexander, yes, like, the Erica yes, Alexander, Pro- and now producer, like, <laughs> NF- NFT queen, like yes, you know, yes, yes. Erica, Erica's doing it. All. She's, yes, she's so amazing. I met her some years back, I believe it was a San Diego Comic Con, because she and Tony Perrier had introduced Concrete Junk. um Concrete Park, it's a fabulous book. Concrete Park at Dark Horse Comics. Yes. Right? So we met, and then we really hit it off instantly Mm. and became friends. And so she introduced me to her partner, um, Ben Arnon of Color Farm Media. And Mm. Color Farm Media is the company that Erica and Ben have co-founded. And in addition to a number of things – Um, Color Farm Media was a producer on the Good Trouble documentary um, starring John Mm -hmm. Lewis, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, we had a conversation about finding a project to work on together, finding a project to bring from the world of comic books to the larger world and really finding something unique that speaks to – you know, our core philosophies. And so basically in between the Marvel universe and the DC universe is a near infinity of possibilities of amazing comic book stories. And so I remembered Zero from my earlier years. I I I always envisioned it as something that really could be larger. There was a bigger story, just the idea that you could basically take James Bond and James Baldwin and bring them together in this amazing story Mm -hmm. that really made Zero ideal for me to bring to Erica and Ben and they immediately took into it and said okay we'd like to meet the creator Christopher Priest because in a very unique situation Christopher Priest is the owner of his creation even though DC did publish it from 1997 to 1998.
0: That's and pretty so, amazing. Uh, exactly. If it's you a, can uh, give uh, us some insights into how uh, Christopher Peace was able to swing that. It's, it's a unique situation. <laughs> um,
1: I'll get back to that in a sure, few minutes. Sure, you can do it later. So mm-hmm. in a situation like that, it was just a matter of introducing them to Christopher. Now, Christopher, I've known him for a few years because he was the first writer that I recruited for the Lion Ford superhero universe, Catalyst Prime. Right. When I was reading the writer's room, you know, his amazing work on, on Deathstroke, which was nominated for an Eisner, you know, really mm. just cemented it for me that he was the right person for that. So that's when our professional relationship and our friendship began. So I reached out to him, told him about Erica and Ben and Color Farm Media. And my company in its early days and said, you know, would you like to have a conversation with us above zero and taking zero to the next level? And he said, yes, the four of us spoke. We were all simpatico and that's when the journey began hmm. in terms of finding the right partner. Who is the partner that would be fearless enough to take on this kind of subject matter? Because even though, you know, As a society, in terms of our entertainment, we have become a bit more progressive since the unfortunate murder of George Floyd. It would be fair to say we still have some miles to walk. Mm -hmm. And so zero is something that is quite engaging, but to some people might still be a little scary. Sure. But as we know, 50 doesn't know the meaning of the word. Right. (laughs) He's he's going to do what he's got to do. (laughs) Exactly. And when you look at what he's accomplished in television with the power franchise, Mm -hmm. he's he's basically creating like he's created a crime fiction universe in television. The way he has a core show that has created spinoffs, it's like he understands that kind of multiple story stream language Mm -hmm. and he understands the 360 nature of stories and character, and he's not afraid to engage culture. And the idea that Zero can take you from the streets to like Dubai in an instant, Mm -hmm. due to the nature of his mission, that kind of world-spanning scope and variety is something that really got to him. He really dug it. And also the idea of how, you know, Christopher Priest is a trailblazer in so many ways And it's interesting because he's really kind of like the Venn diagram Mm -hmm. between Marvel and DC, right? Mm -hmm. His run of Black Panther was so seminal that it informed the Black Panther portion of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm -hmm. probably more so than any other um, run of Black Panther. And then... Christopher also wrote Batman Mm -hmm. in addition to many other DC heroes, and he created characters and ideas that really informed Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. So he's really like this amazing Venn diagram that you end with total ownership of his creation. It's it's amazing. I mean, that's so unique, and it's also sexy to a guy like 50, like, (laughs) oh, like, we can get the Marvel guy who got the DC comic, but he's the only guy I got to speak to about the rates.
0: And he's test, got the vision bro. to have the vision to set this up. It's pretty incredible.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it just really worked out perfectly. And I'm really honored to be a part of it and to be able to help bring the right people together to move this project forward to the point where it's now a reality in progress is really amazing.
0: So where were, where are we in the developmental uh, stages of this? Will, is, is Priest going to be part of the writing team, produce, uh, executive producer? I mean, I know there's a lot of ways that people, if they have
1: the clout, can be involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't really want to speak to those kind of confidential details. but okay. I can tell you is that 50 is very respectful about Christopher and his vision and so Christopher will have a major part in this and, you know, basically we're at the point now where we're at the story point, right? We're at the point where we are all simpatico in what vision, the vision of Zero can be, but now it's the story. So we're at the story point and, you know, this is a process, you know, contrary to how things look on social media, making a film is not drop water blockbuster hit, Sure. Right. It's a whole series of processes between the beginning and you sitting in the theater or you sitting at home watching something on HBO Max or Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so we are going through that process. Yeah. But the partnership that we have now with 50 Cent, G-Unit, Christopher Priest, uh, my company, Illuminous and Color Farm Media, that's really the nucleus going forward. All
0: right. uh, well, is it a chance we'll see any any new Zero Comics?
1: Mm, to be continued
0: to be continued all right so we'll do another we'll do another podcast about that uh should we be so lucky uh well tell us about illuminus now i mean uh, this it, it, it it's not a publisher per se it seems to be a a broad-based uh production house editorial services but very very targeted on uh the diversification of storytelling but so tell us a little bit more about what what Illuminus does. And, and I, 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 you have some projects up on the website. I'd love for you to maybe talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So there is – so Illuminus is primarily a production company, mm-hmm. right? And the production will be in film, television, video games, live action, animation. It does represent a bridge between those media and comic books, mm-hmm. right? And I'm the chief executive officer of the company. Um, the company is a sole ownership company. What we're doing right now is we are finalizing the board of directors that will be part of the company and that will help guide the vision of the company forward and in perpetuity. So you'll be hearing about those people very soon. And, you know, in the context of a publisher, I would say that this is 2022. And the definition of a publisher has expanded. Mm -hmm, Without a doubt. A publisher is not necessarily an organization that creates tangible content. A publisher is an organization that creates different types of narrative content and can find partners Mm -hmm. who will take the narrative content and put that in tangible form. So that is the kind of publisher that Illuminous is. The same way that we identified zero as being ideal for translation into other media, we will be producing original content. We will be bringing on amazing creators to be co-owners of that content. And that content will see life in digital form and in other forms. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to really take the education Of this pandemic and what we learned about how creators are treated during the pandemic in terms of equity and in terms of co-ownership. And we're going to see if we can bend the paradigm a little in a way to make Illuminous a magnet for artists to want to co-envision and co-create and co-own original ideas with this company. So that's something we'll be talking about in time, too. Mm-hmm. And to speak to, as you pointed out, my different editorial services, that is actually in a different silo. There is that silo mm-hmm. that is josephillage.com, and then there's also that silo that is is a Luminous, and while they do meet in certain ways, in other ways they're separate. So sure. Luminous will not be providing editorial services. Unless those editorial services also involve um, more creative involvement, profit participation. And so those are the kinds of things that we're doing. And to quickly go to some of the projects you saw on the website, well, zero is first, Mm right? Right. Um
0: can I just jump the, in for for a second and, and not to not to interrupt you because one thing I noticed, on uh, the projects because i I want to continue with you talking about these projects, but one thing sure, I notice is that there there seems to be some crowdfunding um uh, as a strategy involved in it obviously this is this is another transformative platform in the moment right now for all kinds of content creators so I just wanted to, to to put that out in front of the listeners, but yes tell us more about how these projects um, to into this is, uh, plans going
1: forward Sure, so one of the original ideas, one of the projects you see on there is called The Dusk mm. um, The Dusk is a comic book uh, crowdfunded by Alex Segura and Elizabeth Little and David Hahn, the creators of The mm. Dusk and myself I'm a creative consultant and the editor for publishing on the dust and a creative consultant across the board. And, you know, Alex reached out to me in the early days of the dust to be involved because it does look at the Batman paradigm mm-hmm. through a different lens. And Alex is a big fan of Batman. You know, early in my career, I was an editor in the Batman editorial office at DC Comics. And so... The idea that this was going to be a Latino male hmm. um, who is the father of a teenage daughter and how we were going to look at the question how do you really stop crime through a different slant really was something that appealed to me. So then I became part of the mix and so Illuminus's role with The Dusk will really be – part of the creative world building and kind of like in a sense the creative room mm. behind the dusk as the dusk extends into other media.
0: It's gonna be an original graphic novel? Yes. hmm Oh good. also now, is there a publisher for it? I know it's coming out through to, to re-
1: be continued.
0: Okay, to, to be continued. Continue. I don't go but it, it it had a very successful crowdfunding if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, it did. Yes, yeah. it did. We did have a great campaign. You know, we're really thankful to all the people mm-hmm. that came out and supported it. And we think we have something really special here. All right. And it is another project, The Tower. Right. So Tower, you know, Tower is a bit earlier because when I was a member of a Wave Blue World, oh, right. um, mm-hmm. I, I brought in Camras Johnson. Camras Johnson played Luke Fox on the Batwoman television sure. series. He's a filmmaker, writer, director, entrepreneur. And so a mutual friend introduced Cameras and I to one another. We became friends almost instantly. Um, and as well as Cameras's writing partner, Kelsey Barnhart. And so in really looking at what he wanted to do with Tower, you know, I came on board and really helped them just kind of brainstorm and really bring cameras into the full understanding of what was possible in the comic book and graphic novel space. And then I found, um, Chris Cross and Chris Cross. Oh, the artist, yeah. yeah. Go back to the milestone days. Yeah, and Veteran Chris artist Cross is also the artist of zero. So yeah, you see you these through lines that are happening. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, he came into it and then it was like, okay, everyone started clicking. So it was great to work with Cameras and Kelsey and Cross early on in the early days of Tower. And Cameras and I are looking forward to have our companies work together on some new projects. So basically you could consider me, I guess like one of the midwives of Tower. Okay. okay. <laughs> and basically that proved um, our creative relationship and friendship. So we're now in conversation about What's the next project that we're going to do together that we can, you know, really fully form and run the road together on? So very excited about that.
0: Well, it sounds like it's a, it gives you a platform really to, uh, have your hand like kind of wherever you're needed, um, creatively, you know, yeah. as a consultant, I guess as a writer, uh, you know, as just, you know, uh, a, a, a guy with a lot of expertise in this business.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, situations are not one size fits all, right? Mm -hmm. It's really where will be the best place for me? Where will the best place be for Illuminus? And as we start developing our own intellectual properties and rolling them out over the next few years, then it'll be a different type of relationship because we'll be bringing artists on board as co-creators and co-owners. And so... Really, it is what is the right kind of situation and relationship for the project.
0: Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, look, just a couple more things here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the uh, um, the Access Guide to the Black Comic Book Community? There's a, uh, a new
1: volume out now. That's right. It has yet to come out. The crowdfunding campaign was successful. My okay. partner's. Demetrios Fragasgados, who's the owner of Anyone Comics in Brooklyn, and George Carmona III, who's a designer of the book, and he's a journalist for various websites ranging from ComicsBeat to BlackSciFi.com. We're putting the final touches on the book now before we send it to the printer, so we are going to have it to all the people who, Great. you know, help fund the book, and thank you very much. For that, you know, we were very happy with the response to the first one. And the first one really did achieve its goal of making more um, power players in the industry aware mm-hmm. of black creators in comics. I remember when last year I was at Demetrios's store and we were mailing out packages. So... I saw names of influencers from various top 10 comic book publishers ordering this book. And they weren't just ordering it to act as a book stand, right? It was because this book was created to increase the awareness of all the black creators in the comic book industry because there's just so many. Mm -hmm. So basically it eliminated – The excuse of, well, I don't know where to find them. I don't know who they are. And what it also did is what it spotlighted the publishers who are profiling Black stories and Black creators, the Black-owned conventions, the Black-owned comic book stores. This second edition that we're doing now is also going to include podcasters. Mm -hmm. So it really is a book about the community and about – Closing the gap between the community and the larger community that wants all these stories, that wants to support black creators and see the diversity of ideas that the community is creating. It's a, it's, it's a real gateway book, and we're very proud of it. So we're almost done putting a bow on volume two.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, one of the things you, you, you do, Joe, that's exciting is that you know uh, you seem to fill these gaps. I mean, if you need content, you're working on content. You need to know other content creators. I mean, you're, you're offering up a platform to help people with that. So you're, you're, you never know where you're going to turn up. And, uh, it's always going to, it's always, uh, something positive and constructive. So, um, good luck to it. Uh, I want to give me a heads up when volume two is ready and we'll, we'll help, well. You, we'll help you hype it for sure. Definitely um, will. thank you. And look, I, I guess we can go out here with just. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you, I just did an interview with um, uh, uh, Jeff Trexler, the executive director of the Comic Book Legal Defense yes. Fund. I know yes. you're a part. Uh, you're on the board now with uh, yes. two other new members, Amy Chu, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm blanking on. Pam, sister, no. Pam, you're right, Pam. Knowles, yeah. So uh, and how you now? How can I forget? You can't forget her ever. So <laughs> no, my, she's not. Pam so Annals, my apologies. Uh, anyway, just horses. a brief. What, what's it like being on the board? And I mean, we're certainly now. Uh, I mean, the, the CBLDF has gone through a lot. Uh, and but that you know, there's no rest for the weary. Uh, they. Uh, this is a time really uh, that's calling out. Uh, for really its original mission to deal with censorship and book bans so I mean I don't know how that affects the board members uh, but I do have you know uh, we have an extensive interview with Jeff uh, Jeff this up so anything you'd like to say about working with the CBLDF uh,
1: it's an honor to be a member of the board I've known about the CBLDF for almost as long as I've been in comics and The mission, as you pointed out, about really combating censorship and helping to facilitate and guide people on their freedoms when it comes to creating the the comic book and graphic novel content, you know, it's a serious responsibility, you know, moving the organization forward um, under Jeff's direction and with the amazing – Staff of the CBLDF and, you know, my fellow board members. And you're right. Right now, with what's going on with censorship, the assaults on stories from the other, whether they're stories, um, of black people that, um, everyone wants to, well, not everyone, but a certain group of individuals want to easily um, encapsulate under critical race theory, right? Or yeah. whether it's something like gender queer, or whether it's the work of Raina Tagelmayer. Yeah. The idea of, you know, censorship, keeping these out of libraries, keeping these out of schools, you know, it's as if we're seeing a total reversion to the days of, you know what was happening with Catcher in the Rye, what has happened in the past with the burning of books. It's really, it's really a perilous time. And so what this does for us board members is it makes us continue to be aware of what's happening. And it's it's happening at such a fast rate that you almost can't keep up with the developments, but You know, Jeff has really been great about doing that and informing us of the various developments along with um, Betsy Gomez, who's one of the Mm -hmm. top people at the CBLDF and the whole crew. And so this fight has to happen now because the idea of the assault against stories from people with different backgrounds and lifestyles at the time When there is an explosive level of growth of those kinds of stories in the comic book and graphic novel space, that kind of timing is not a coincidence. And what it speaks to is the power of these stories in this medium and where it's great power is, is with young people and young people are a great force in the future of this nation. When it comes to politics, when it comes to economics when it comes to our national ethos, right? And so this war against stories is a war to control the next generation of America, right? It's a war against getting us to the more perfect union that is on paper. And so being a member of the board of the CBLDF at this time um it really is an honor, and it does speak to again the mission that the milestone founders instilled in me, which is opportunities for everyone to tell stories and when they 're under assault that 's when you have to stand up and fight or help people who will stand up and fight there you go well i
0: i i can't there 's no better way to end this this uh interview with that with that t- uh testimony so yeah we 're living in amazing times now there's never been more kinds of stories told for more kinds of readers so as you said it's not surprising that we're seeing pushback but uh that's not going to stop it yeah uh, that's right that's the, right that's not going to change anything anyway joe look thank you so much for being on more to come i really appreciate it and we'll be thank back you, in touch pal. when you when your other projects start coming around all right you got talk all to right. you soon you bet thanks to both of you take care okay. bye